Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. I think um, what I would like to start with was um, I just keep being reminded of my history of with God, um, and I just want to share a little bit of that. Um, when I was 14 or 15, I can't really remember the precise age, I went to Soul Survivor um, and I first experienced the Holy Spirit just in those meetings. Um, and I just, I just keep, those kind of things just keep coming back to me. Um, um, and and I, then when I was 19, I just had an amazing radical experience of, of meeting Jesus. Um, nine months after that, um, I met Lara and the Holy Spirit said to me, as soon as I met her, that's your wife. Um, <laughs> it was, and, and well, yeah, and it's been, it's been amazing. And actually, nine months before I met Lara, um, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, I said, I don't want to meet another girlfriend, I want to meet my wife. And then nine months later, he answered that. And I was, I was a bit taken back, because I wasn't really expecting that. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> you know, I was quite happy at 19, you know, doing all my exercise, my sport, you know, just being... Um, yeah, being 19 and being a young single guy. Um, and actually, um, I was reminded about it about two weeks ago because we sat down t- to Amazon Prime to, um, to watch a movie. And, uh, and Lara didn't like my choice in movies. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was Munich. I thought that was going to be quite, you know. Has <laughs> the battery's gone? I had this this um, really dumb idea when I was at university that it would be a good idea to go and date somebody. And I'd forgotten about this prayer I'd, I'd made. So this is the film that we went to see, and this is what I remembered. Um, because, so I, started, I thought it would be a good idea. I started dating, and we dated for about a day. And that was it. And the Holy Spirit just said, you've got to stop this. But he didn't tell me why. He just gave me this... I've never ever felt so such lack of peace I, I, at all. I mean, it was just it was like I was my life was in turmoil for a day, and I ha- so this I just was reminded of this. And then three months, two months after that, I met Lara, and you know, it's just it was just uh, just incredible, really. I did feel rather sorry for the girl because I had to kind of say we can't go out, but I don't know why. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was the most awkward conversation I've ever had. It was terrible. But, um, but yeah, I've just been reminded of my history, really, y- y- you know, with, with God. And, y- you know, because um, when I was 14 and I, I had that experience of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, it made history lessons the best lessons 
ever, because we used to go to a youth group on Sunday night, and we used to get filled up with the Holy Spirit, and history was on Monday morning. And I used to just stare out of the window, just like, just being, just being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, you know, amazing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, and I, I actually, I scraped a D in history, which was uh, amazing as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah that was that's just a little bit of my my journey i guess um but um yeah we i want to i want to really share my holiday highlights with you um and that was we went to david's tent in the summer and just had an incredible time um and um i came back from that really and i just felt like well god said a couple of things to me i wanted to share with you one of the things was he started talking to me about circles. Um, <laughs> and if you look up at the stars and, and the moon, the moon circles the earth, and then we circle the sun. Um, and there are some circles that draw us into God. They just draw, you, you know, like, and there are other ones that just, they, they go the opposite way, and it's like they spin you away from God. And when I was at David's tent, I just felt God show me this about circles, that he was just drawing me back into him. Um, and I, mean, I find it fascinating that you've got the planets that go around the moon, and then if you look at atoms, you've got electrons going around a nucleus. I just, you know, I just find that fascinating. Um, but that was just one of the things that I, I felt. The other thing was that we were just in these meetings, just being saturated by God, and and I just felt like God was just, there was this invitation or this call or something just to go deeper and deeper with him. Like, it's, it, I don't know, it was just like this sense that, you know, he's just, just this yearning from God for us just to, to go more and more, just deeper and deeper. And I, it's a bit of a strange Christian kind of word, and you know that, but I, I just get the sense, he ju- you know, that there's just, just an invitation for him and us just to walk closer and closer and closer and to be more and more intimate. Um, and I j- part of me is just like the things, like when I was there in that, the things of God, they just, there's something about them that just feels like so life-giving and just so, just that they are the most important thing. That just nothing else matters than that connection with God in those moments. Um, and I, I guess I just felt so invigorated when we came back, um, you know, just so excited for that, for that, for that, just to go deeper and deeper. Um, and and I guess that's why, just really excited about Sunday evenings, you know, just an opportunity just to go after God, just in complete abandonment and just go deeper and deeper. Um, Another thing that happened at David's tent, which was just was amazing, that was um, it was the last evening, and or the la- it was the last session rather, which was actually in the day, and the elders finished the session, and um, we ended up as a family, just Lara and I, and Elsie and Henrik, and we we were just together. We weren't with other people from the bay at that time, and um, and uh, you know, Jonathan, he, he got us to roar into the ground. And it was just, there was something about it, it was just so powerful. Um, 
and I spoke a little while ago, and I just think that there's something about the ground that's really significant. You know, like the places they just they just represent something. Which, you know, one of the guys he stood up at David's tent, and he was a, a local. I think he was an Anglican vicar or, or something. And he he obviously knew the area, and he just said, you know, uh, you know, there were, there, were, there were battles on this ground that we were worshiping at, um, and. You know, there was a, there was the Romans that came in and took control of that area, and there was you know there was you know ac- you know kind of you know enemy demonic stuff that was they did as practiced there, and he just felt it was so significant that we were there that, you know however many hundreds of years later just worshiping God, and I just yeah for me th- that whole that whole process it just it was just incredible. Um, the other thing that was incredible was that um, I think seeing the birth of your kids is probably the most special thing that I've ever experienced. The second most special thing is seeing God touch them. And um, we were there, and 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 God just touched Henrik. And and it was a Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago as well. God touched Henrik again. And it's just it's just amazing to see that. Um, and it. And it, it brought me to a scripture, actually, that, and, um, and I, I just, I, I find this amazing. It's in, if you want, it's in Matthew 16, and um, there's a demand for, the, for a sign, it's called, and the Pharisees um, and the Sadducees come to ask Jesus and test him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replies, when evening comes, you say, it, w- it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for miraculous signs, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. And then... A little, you know, a couple of verses later, Jesus is with his um, his disciples, and, G- and it says from verse thirteen, when Jesus came to the region of Sirius Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do the people say the Son of Man is?" They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." And then he says, but what about you? He asked, who do you, say I, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And I just, this just, it's just, um, it just amazed me this, that on one hand, you've got the disciples demanding a sign. And on the other hand, you've got Peter just confessing who Christ is. And it, you know this, ju- it, that just it just fascinates me. I, you know, it, just to imagine standing before Jesus and just saying, "You are the Son of God." You know, I just, I just think that uh, to me that's just amazing. Um, I mean, I, I guess I thought a few things about that. Is that it's quite interesting that he asks, "Who do people say that I am?" Before he asks, "Who do you say I am?" Or who do you say? Who, who, who do other people say I am? And I kind of th- thought, you know, who you, where's your focus? 
in that in one sense. You know, do you believe, are you going to believe what the world says about me or are you going to believe what the Father has revealed? And I just think for tonight, today, tonight, that it's the biggest revelation that you'll ever have is who is Jesus for you. Um, you know, and I just, you know, I just, as I was just thinking about this, I just cannot get that image out of my head of just standing in front of Christ and just declaring, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. Um, the other thing I just want to share with you is, is something that... Um, um, Yeah. Yep. It's probably a little bit prophetic. I, I'm not. I would never really go out and call myself prophetic, very prophetic. Um, but as I was, I was praying. Um, I was praying. I was journaling. I was. I, I was imagining, I guess. And I, when we before we got married, we went interrailing around Europe. Um, and uh, we went to these cities that are hot um, in the evening. We don't have them in the UK. <laughs> um, and, um, and I was listening to a song, um, Mount Zion, uh, that um, the Helsers do, and, and I was just imagining being in Mount Zion, walking like I would be in a hot city in the evening. You know when the sun is just really at that beautiful, it just gives you that beautiful colours, goldeny kind of yellows and just before the sun sets and, and I, was just, I was just thinking about walking along a street like that and, uh, and as I was walking along, minding my own business, just with this peace, just feeling so safe and so secure, there I saw Jesus coming, chatting to the Father and then, and as and we just walked, and we, it was just along this street, and we just got closer and closer. And as there, you know, the Holy Spirit was there, and the Trinity. Um, and I felt, and as I walked in, I just felt completely loved, completely accepted. Um, and at the same time, being a little bit surprised that that they were there, you know, um, not on their thrones. Um, And I just and I just kind of thought, you know, you know, Jesus came to Earth and he humbled himself, but he continues to humble himself to connect with us, to connect with me. And um, you know, I just think that's incredible, really. That it, it wasn't. Sometimes I just think they're on their thrones and I'm down here. And there's a disconnect, but actually, I just feel like the truth is that that they c Jesus continually humbles himself to connect with us, to, con to connect with me. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to share was um,
You don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. I think something I'd like to share with you is, is that um, is going back to really what happened, what, what, what I was left with after David's tent and what I'm excited about. And that is that I think, you know, part of me, part of what I'd like to see, my vision really, my vision for my family, I guess, is that, you know, we bring them up just to experience God just continually, you know, and I think part of the, you know, part of us being around on Sunday evenings is quite deliberately to bring the kids, because we want to bring them up in revival, we want to bring them up in renewal, we want to bring them up knowing what it feels like when you're in the presence of God, and what he's like, um, and I guess that's just, it's, it's my dream really, is that, you know, we build the kingdom as a family, you know, um, and like Lara kind of said as well, y you know, that the building of the wall, it's, it's about all of us coming together. And I, and I guess that's just part of it as well. Is, um, you know, going after something that, that we grab hold of God as together, um, that we, you know, just we go deeper together. Um, and it's something that we bring the, the kids up with. It's when we're in Toronto, and I have noticed as well, I'll be prepared. Um, when we're in school in Toronto, um, there was one of the guys who was with us. He'd been four or five when the revival broke out. And it was just lovely to hear him talking about because all he remembers is all these people being slain in the spirit and him and his mates just racing over, jumping over the legs. <laughs> but there was just a natural awareness of God's presence he had that was just so beautiful. I've kind of got a few, almost carrying on from what David was sharing, just a few thoughts about how does kind of, when we meet, meet God, how do we move on from there to corporately to respond to that? And it was almost kind of, what's, what's the difference between meeting with God and pursuing God? And it's not really a theological argument for anything, it's just some thoughts that have been going around in my head for the last couple of weeks. I really felt that it always, it always starts with an individual encounter. God comes and meets you wherever you are. Because if you think of time and time again, guys in the Bible, you had David, he was looking after sheep in the field. Or sheep, sorry. You had Solomon, he was asleep. And God came and spoke to him. You had Gideon, he was working in a wine press, but he was threshing wheat. He was absolutely petrified. And God came and met him. He had Balaam, he was beating up his donkey, and God came and spoke to him. He had the shepherds, they were again looking after the sheep in the field, so they were just getting on with their daily life. There's time and time again, God just come, comes and meets people wherever, wherever they are. Whatever you're doing, it's not like these guys are fasting and waiting for God to appear. God just comes and meets them wherever they are. 
because I love one of my favorites is Jonah. He was sitting and moaning at God, and God came and spoke to him. But from the point of meeting where God comes, comes and reveals himself to you, it's an invitation to pursue his promises. And the response to that, it almost has a corporate element to it. So if you think of Moses, it was just him with the burning bush. But then his response led to freedom for the whole nation. So there is a side that once you met God, once God has revealed himself, revealed his heart to you, how do you respond to that? What do you do? And that, I really feel that that's the, kind of, that's the path for us where we pursue God corporately. So it, it's a corp- I, I don't really like the word corporate because it kind of sounds like a bit businessy. I guess it's about family. Us coming together, each little individual prick, we come together and respond together to the individual encounters and invitation God's given, on, given us. And again, if you think in the Bible, you had Pentecost. They were together in a room, but each one of those people there were there because they've individually met Jesus. They had an individual encounter that brought them all together. Again, Solomon, he built the temple and then he brought the whole nation together to worship and the glory of God fell. And interestingly, if you think of Moses, he went to the tent of meeting and the others chose not to come with him. So he went in individually, even though there was an invitation for others to join him. They didn't want to because there was fear. So there is an element that we can choose. Are we going to go for this thing or are we going to step back? But it's, for me, pursuing God is our response together. Our hearts cry, Abba, Father. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how in Galatians, when it, when it talks about Abba, Father, we've been given the spirit of sonship. It comes from very deep within. It's almost a croning. It's not kind of, it just comes from deep within. Um, and it's the same word it's, it was used when Jesus was on a cross. And when he cried out, it is finished. That's the spirit that is within us, yearning and crying, Abba, Father. And it's about coming together. If you think of Mary and Elizabeth, when they met, the spirits leapt. And there was coming together a recognition of something. If you think of Saul and the company of prophets, just being surrounded by the prophets, he started to prophesy. So there is an element that we are called to be in this together. It's not about one person having the vision. It's all of us coming together, having individual encounters with God, and just wanting to pursue his love. And it's about positioning ourselves. I was reminded about Hannah and Simeon uh, when Jesus was being brought to circumcision isn't it that's the word they both of them they had had a promise from God that they would see Jesus but they had a choice they could just sit around and wait at home or they could bring themselves to the temple every single day waiting to see the promise to happen and that's what they did and again their spirit slept so are you faithfully coming to pursue him? Even if kind of, because we've had, each one of us, we've had words and promises about revival, about God breaking through. And it's our choice to just keep going after it. Even if we don't necessarily see something happening in the natural yet, it's us stepping out 
in the natural, it shifts things in the spiritual. And we're by doing that, by faithfully, like Hannah and Simon, by faithfully every day coming to the temple, we're positioning ourselves to see the promise happen. And if you think, I think there's a couple of the disciples, they'd actually been looking for Jesus. Carmen said, Nathaniel, or one of them, the other one came and said, I've, been, I've seen the one we've been looking for. So within the disciples, there was a yearning for things of God. And then Jesus selected them. And interestingly, I, I, I was kind of slightly, I'm not really great history buffing around revivals. Um, but I was just reminded there was, in Finland, there was in the 1800s or something, there was these two illiterate cowgirls who had vision from God. And what they did, they shared it with the local vicar, who then shared it with the congregation. And out of that, a revival was born. And you had these two girls, they couldn't read, but God came and revealed himself to them. But they shared it, and others caught the vision, and together they pursued God, and revival broke out. And I think time and time again, if, when you look at revival history, there is individual encounter that leads to corporate pursuit of God, and revival happens. And revival, it has an impact on the society. It's not just for us. It, it, it goes outside these doors. If you think of slave trade, that was abolished because of revival. Evangelical Anglicans brought us about. Salvation Army, Barnadus, both were born of revival. So once, once we come together, things start to happen. It's almost like a rippling. You can't stop it. Once, once you have the momentum behind you, you can't be stopped. But the thing for me that is at the heart of this all is the desire to love God and to know him more. That's the heart. It's all kind of Holy Spirit manifestations are wonderful, but what we're really after is God's heart, to experience his love. And there's around the Welsh Revival, there's one of the kind of catalysts around it um, there was this young girl or lady called Flory Evans and there'd been a kind of prayer meeting put together for young people and it kind of got the impression it'd been a bit sticky and nobody was really saying anything um, and then she spoke out and the one line she said I love Jesus Christ with all my heart and that just broke the room and that was one of the early ripples of Welsh revival just from the simple declaration of I love Jesus Christ with all my heart and that was the ignition, the place I'd been waiting for. And the, uh, other, one of the other things I love about the Bell's Revival is about the song. There was kind of the song. It, it, was, it wasn't necessarily written during the revival. It was written kind of 40 years before um, by a shepherd. Um, so it's Here is Love. Here is Love. Vast as ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? 
He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's, God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love, like mighty rivers, poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed the guilty world in love. That was the song that was sung time after time after time during the revival. And it's all about God's love. That there's nothing bigger, there's nothing greater, there's nothing better, better than his love. And God is calling us all to the intimate place with him. Like Moses. God called Moses his friend. That's the call he wants. He's, he's one of us. He wants to call, call us his friends. And that's why we're after the one who gives the gifts, not the, not the gift themselves. Because if you think of orphans and sons, orphans are after things because they don't know what relationship is. Where sons and daughters, they want the relationship. We, are, we have the spirit of sonship. We are not orphans. Each one of us, we've been given the spirit that calls Abba Father from deep within. And it's for me, it's us coming together, crying out, Abba Father. That is the pursuit of God. And it's the thing that revival is made of, is his love. Amen.